This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. That is I. This is part two of episode number 18 of Cinema Fix, focusing on the movie The Hunger Games. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong file. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, all you need to know is that this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general non-spoiler discussion on whatever film we're talking about that week. And part two, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers. It's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at the very least, after you've seen the film. So if you haven't seen The Hunger Games, you might want to listen to part one instead. The Hunger Games is the new film directed by Gary Ross, based on the popular young adult novel, about a future dystopian society in which uh, 24 teenagers are placed in an arena and forced to kill each other in a tournament called the Hunger Games. Last Man Standing wins. Frank, we concluded in part one that you and I really weren't fans of the movie. I agree with that conclusion. Before we really elaborate on that, here's another clip. So, Pete, tell me, is there a special girl back home? No, no, not really. No. I don't believe it for a second. Look at that face, handsome man like you. Peter, tell me. Well, there, uh, there is this one girl that I've had a crush on forever. Well, I'll tell you what, Peter. You go out there. And you win this thing. And when you get home, she'll have to go out with you. Right, folks? <laughs> Thanks, but I, uh, I don't think winning's gonna help me at all. And why not? Because she came here with me. Okay, Frank. Let's talk about this movie. And what the Hunger Games is really about. What's the what what? What is the what what? What is the there there? Now, you haven't read the book, Frank, but I hope that judging from what you've seen from the film, you can understand how I feel in many ways that the book, The Hunger Games, is it's about, it's really a critique of a lot of things going on in our society. It's about uh, the media and reality TV and how we look at violence for entertainment. It's also primarily, I think, in many ways, a children's version of Karl Marx's Das Kapital, an scathing critique of capitalism in which uh, people from all these different districts are forced to compete for resources. The folks from the richer districts have... Uh, an easier time getting those resources most of the time and have a better chance at survival. Did you get any of that from the film? Well, 
if I understand what you're act, asking correctly, my answer is is that I am Team Peta. You're Team Peta. Okay, <laughs> that's what you were getting at, right? Yeah, that, that was my next question. Are you Team Gale <laughs> yeah, or team, are you Team Peta? Team Peta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I did pick up on some of that. I thought that there was definitely a critique on the media just with Stanley Tucci and his show where really people are being encouraged. These young kids, in order to get sponsors, are being encouraged to basically sell themselves out and kind of play to this crowd in order to survive. Right. And they're basically they, – they actually are forced to kind of contribute to this illusion, this sham that what's happening here isn't simply just a bloodbath. Right. That it's like this big, grand, spirited tradition. And they actually become almost, they're actually forced to become active participants in selling their own brutal death. Right. As something more than it is in order to survive. Right. They have to go on TV and gain the audience's sympathy and be all dressed up fancy. And they're kind of like celebrities. Yeah trying to attract the biggest I mean, audience. In that way, it is like reality TV. Like they're trying to, to, to stand out, to make themselves seem, um, sell their individualism to, to gain audience sympathy. Like this, that whole thing with the little love story between PETA and Katniss, they were trying to develop. Like Woody Harrelson was like, you know, people people like this kind of stuff. Right. This is what people want to get invested in. And so that that's, I mean, it's it's the manufacturing of feeling to try and sell television as reality. Right. It's manufactured reality that's actually designed to sort of cover up or at least make the actual reality a bit more Palatable. sanitized. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, you can't just throw a bunch of teenagers into an arena and tell them to kill each other and expect the audience to get on board right. and go along with it. They do play around with it a little bit in the film, like how far can they push the audience without completely losing them? Like they're playing, they're walking this very delicate type tightrope um, that Don and Sutherland's talking about. You know how much, how much hope you need to give them just enough hope, not enough so that they get cocky and want to rebel, but enough that they don't become so un uncontent that they rebel. Right. So it's about creating this illusion that there's that this is good yeah and you know the, the you brought up the donald sutherland character president snow i think his name is yes it is you know this is a character that from what i understand plays a larger role in the second and third books of the trilogy but it, in terms of the the books he's not really in the first book at all the first book is pretty much all about katniss her experience with the Hunger Games, and that's it. There are no cutaways to President Snow, no cutaways to uh, the game maker, who in the film is played by uh, Wes Bentley. None of that. In the book of the Hunger Games, the the capital is just this system. It's just this force, this power that you you don't really see, and it's very menacing in the book. And the book is filled with this sense of paranoia all the time. Is the Capitol uh, watching me right now? Are they listening? Uh, how can I retain my, individual, my individuality um, and resist what's happening uh, without getting killed for it? 
in the film by cutting away to Donald Sutherland's character and by cutting away to Wes Bentley and taking the focus away from Katniss, I felt like a lot of that mystery and a lot of that menace was kind of gone. I think it's always going to be Katniss's story. I mean, I think there's no escaping that. And it's difficult for me not having read the book to really look at it from that point of view. You know, we touched on this in part one. I just think that there are, there probably are a lot of very interesting themes there that just got dropped by the wayside just because they, they had to keep moving and they moved so fast that unless I think you have the background of the book, it really just becomes people getting shot. Right. Essentially, that's what it is. I mean, in the book, we've got time spent with Katniss and Peeta, and we, we see their relationship develop. And it's a very complex relationship in the book, because at the end of the day, Katniss is never really sure, you know, does Peeta really love me, is, or is he just saying that to get the crowd on his side? Will he uh, uh, stab me in the back? At the end of the day, if I have to kill Peta, will I be able to do it? Do I love him, or is it just, is it not love? Yeah, I thought that relationship was pretty badly bungled here. Yeah, it's very simplistic here in the, in the film. It's in, the, in the movie, it's essentially, oh, well, we need to say we're in love, so I guess we're actually in love now. Yeah, like you never really see them fall. They're just thrown together, and you never really get a sense of why they love one another. Right. And it's the same thing with the relationship with uh, between Katniss and Rue. Yeah. In the book, they they spend like a few days together, and Rue is kind of this interesting supporting character that pops up quite frequently. And in the movie, we get little glimpses of her, and then she and Katniss are thrown together for maybe five to ten minutes, and that's it. And then, yeah, you're supposed to feel very very sad, right? when she dies and it's just like this relationship hasn't been built enough to really right i mean i mean her her death is a major development because it's the reason the guy from district 11 doesn't kill her yes it's the reason he spares her life uh it's also pointed out in the book that this whole arrangement she does of the body with the flowers is so respectful and it's so beautiful yeah that the it 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 wins the hearts of the people on District 11. Yeah. Which, that isn't very well communicated in the film at all, just how pivotal that moment really was. We see, like, the beginning of what looked like a little mini-rebellion. Right. We saw, we saw glimpses of, of a small uprising, but it's sort of like, wait, 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 is it because Rue died? Yeah. Or is it because something about Katniss's actions inspired them? to resist. I mean, obviously this isn't the first time someone from District 11 no. has died in the Hunger Games. So what is, they, they didn't do a good job of communicating what is it about Katniss and what is it about her actions this time that are so noteworthy and different. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just because Rue was, Rue was by far the youngest looking out of all the tributes. Right. She was just like a little girl. So I thought, I thought maybe that was what inspired it, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just... It, it, they, they don't really do a good job of connecting the dots. Um, and honestly, the, my, one of my biggest problems with the movie is that for a movie called The Hunger Games, no one looks very hungry in the film. <laughs> they all look pretty healthy. I could see it to a point. I don't know. It's tough to, I think, ask someone to lose 
to you know become like a walking skeleton. You don't want any of the actors to risk their own health. But I, I don't know. I was okay with it. It didn't bother me that much. Well, it it bothered me because I felt like you know okay, this is a future dystopian society in which the outlying districts, districts ten, eleven, twelve, are the poorest districts. People can barely survive. It's a struggle to find food. The reason Katniss has to go outside in the wilderness and hunt, which is illegal, is because there isn't enough food. So she has to break the law and go out into the woods with Gale and hunt to to, to, to basically to survive and to get by. And that isn't communicated in the film at all. No. Jennifer Lawrence is is kind is she's a little thin, but she doesn't look malnourished. And the Hunger Games is supposed to be this intense experience in the ele- in the elements, and I didn't get that impression in the film at all. It was no, kind of, it really doesn't seem that bad. It's like you never look dehydrated, your makeup is never smudged, you never look that dirty, you never look like you're just barely hanging on to yeah. survive. And if 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 this is supposed to be this brutal survival game, I need to feel that. And it, it just felt like a very polished, glitzy Hollywood version of The Hunger Games. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just, I agree with some of that. You know, I, again, I just, I think my major problem with it is just like everything felt so rushed and all the beats were really rushed. And so none of the, none of the major moments ever really added up to anything. Mm-hmm. Like even at the end, the final scene, the final fight scene, you couldn't even follow because the camera work was so shaky, yeah, and so all over the place. Gary Ross, there's some some directors who I think can do the shaky camera work and pull it off, like still make it somewhat coherent. And Gary Ross, I don't think is one of them. No, it was it was just irritating and annoying. It didn't really add any level of intensity to the proceedings at all. Yeah, and you have it at the end where finally the guy from District One, this big alpha looking guy who you know has been raised to do this and train for this his entire life and who up until now seemed to be enjoying it has gone from enjoying it to at this point seems crazed like he's like this is ridiculous but you know i gotta do it to make my district proud i really wish i could have seen what would have happened between to him between the point where he was enjoying it and the point where he was like Tom Hanks and Castaway, right? Like a little office rocker. They were going for something deep there, and they just they didn't earn it, right? And that was my that's my problem with the whole movie. Yeah, and again, a lot of this is stuff that is explained uh, pretty well in the book. I mean, in the book, it's pointed out that one of the main reasons she goes and blows up their supply is because she knows these rich kids won't know how to survive in the elements without with, supplies, without their stuff, and if I can. Uh, blow if i can get rid of those supplies it'll even the, even the playing field and i'll ha- actually have a chance yeah and that them. isn't explained at all like i didn't make that assumption when she's like oh let's go blow up all the supplies i'm kind of thinking well why don't you steal their supplies right. why don't you it doesn't make any sense right and you know in the book it's, it's clear that after that happens because of the added pressure and the confusion the, the rich kids just are kind of they don't know what to do they're coming apart and by the by the end he has gone legitimately insane. In, insane. Yeah. Essentially. And yeah, it's, 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 it's the, it's the details and the motivations. They're important. They're, they're, yeah. These are really important motivations that aren't explained in the film. And without that, the film kind of feels like 
it's just for people who have read the book. Like it kind of just feels like this is just merchandise to go along with the book. Yeah. Like this isn't like a film that's meant to stand on its own. Right. And I, I, I honestly think in many ways it's worse than just a bad film. I honestly feel like it's in many ways a betrayal of everything the book was about. I feel like if in the, in the universe of the Hunger Games, if the Capitol was going to make a movie based on the Hunger Games to satisfy the populace, this is what it would be. This is what it would be. This is what it would be. It would wow. just be glitzy, glamorous, beautiful people killing each other. There's not a lot of blood. They're, they don't really show a lot of the kills, and I kind of feel like the premise of The Hunger Games is inherently an R-rated premise. Yeah. And by sanitizing it and making it PG-13 for uh, teenage audiences that are sort of robbing it of the true horror of what it's depicting. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like, again, this is a book that was about the media and how we are entertained by violence and how by watching a lot of this stuff we are satiated and we we are encouraged to forget about a lot of the underlying problems and the deeper issues of society. And I feel like, well, yeah, if I go watch this movie, The Hunger Games, I'm going to be entertained by the violence and I'm not going to think about a lot of the issues that the book was actually trying to explore. So I, I kind of feel like if the Hunger Games in the book, if the Hunger Games is the opiate of the masses, in many ways the film is our opiate of the masses. It's just this product that Hollywood has turned out that, that teenagers are going to go see, people are going to go watch and be entertained by, and they're not really going to think about what it's actually saying. Yeah, I just I don't think it's good. I just think it's subpar. I yeah, mean, not even that. I just I don't think it adds up to an enjoyable film experience um, in terms of characters that you understand and can root for. I mean, I, Jennifer Lawrence is good. Like I I liked her performance. I liked the character, but you know, it it just I I just didn't care. I didn't yeah. care about her background. I didn't care about her relationship with her little sister. I didn't care about her relationship with Peta. I didn't care about any any of that. Because you're just dropped in the middle of it without any context whatsoever. Right. It, right. And again, they, they, they try to they try to give you backstory. Like they have a they have the flashback to when she first met PETA. Yeah. Which is when he offered her bread. Which is a terrible flashback. It's awful. It's god awful. Because you're like, wait, why is he giving her bread in the rain? And what is it communicated is the fact that in in the in the book it's quite clear that she was going to die. Yeah, she was. She had been starving for like a week. And in this flashback, she's kind of sitting by a tree. Yes, and she doesn't look all that sick or malnourished. No, she just looks. Grumpy. She's just kind of <laughs> grumpy in the rain, looking at Peta, and then he's like, "Here, have some bread." And you're like, "What was the point of that?" Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of the real dark, messy, powerful stuff that the book was trying to explore, just. Falls by the wayside. Yeah, they just they they really don't get into it at all. It's basically, oh, this is successful. We need to make money off of it. Quick, let's get to the Hunger Games. Let's get to the violence that everyone wants to see, and throw in that love story that everyone loves. We want to promise you guys right now that if they ever make a movie about the beginnings of Film Geek Radio, the humble beginnings, it will not be a sellout movie. 
Yeah. It will be hardcore. It will. It will go into all the nitty-gritty details. Yeah. And it will be substantive. And our characters will be fully fleshed out. They will see the times when you and I were starving and begging for food in order to to find Film Geek Radio. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were just sitting at home on a Saturday night watching Iron Man so yeah. that we could come in and talk about it the next morning. <laughs> it was hard, hard, harsh times. <laughs> harsh times indeed. Well, I think we've pretty much beaten this subject to death. Is there anything else you want to say about The Hunger Games? No, it just it's not really much to talk about. We See, we've only been talking about it for like 20 minutes. And, and we've I, run out of stuff. I feel like there... I feel like... This movie just uh I there's I want to yell about it some more because it was so disappointing. Get it all out to me. Okay, last thing I want to say, what the hell is up with ending this movie with the the way it ends with oh, they're going to go back into their district and everything's supposedly fine and then the last shot is Donald Sutherland like looking grumpy. And marching up some stairs like he's got another plan he's going to put into place. It's ominous. He's like the Emperor, and the Emperor strikes back. But it's there's no point to have that shot there except to say there's, there's going to be another one. There's going to be a sequel. And that just goes to show you, I think, that they didn't approach this from the perspective of we need to make a good film. They approach this from the perspective of we need to make this a franchise. We need to make this a trilogy of films that is going to make a lot of money and satisfy the fans. And the trilogy is the ultimate product. And as a result, the first movie doesn't it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. As a movie. It doesn't. There's not a real sense of closure to a lot of what happened. I had no closure. Unclosed. Unclosed. <laughs> You're unclosed? I'm unclosed. I'm unzipped. <laughs> like, all this, and, and all, they, they, they try to build up this conflict with PETA and Gale, which never really, they don't really do anything with it. And they, again, they have flashes of things like the uprising on dist in District 11, which they never go back to. No. And you're kind of like, well, what was that? And I, I guess that they're going to talk about it in the sequels, but... It's kind of like, well, why is that in there if it isn't relevant to this installment? You know, I just, I just worry about Gale. You're worried about Gale? Yeah, he just looks so hurt, just blown away. Well, that, well, that's the thing is that they never had a relationship. Exactly. So why are we? It's like a, they give you two minutes to really dive into that relationship, like one scene with where they're together. Right. Two scenes. Right, and they're friends. Yeah. Like, and actually, for the for the first part of the book. As you read it, you're kind of wondering if Katniss is a lesbian because there's no real attraction there with Gale. There's just kind of, this is my buddy who I go hunting with to survive. Hey, men and women can be friends without one of them being gay. That's true. I happen to be the expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> my, my relationships with the females are almost exclusively friends. <laughs> and I am not gay. <laughs> just repulsive. <laughs> but again, they had... That whole Team Gale or Team Peta thing. There is no Team Gale, really, in this film. There's no Team Peta either. I didn't like Peta at all. You didn't? I don't. I just they don't... did a little bit of stuff with Peta, not nearly as much as they should have. 
I don't know. It's just something about the the dye job. It's like okay, you're the son of a baker in <laughs> a poor just, in a poor district. You can't get over the but hair. apparently the you, hair. You have money to throw away on cheap blonde hair dye. <laughs> that looks <laughs> frosted. <laughs> it looks terrible. I'm sorry. Stuff like that bothers me. It's just, I would much rather them. Who gives a sh if in the book it says his hair is blonde, but in the movie his hair is black? How is that a defining character trait at all? Who gives a damn? You know what I mean? It's just it's stuff like that where they're so slavish to the book, or it's just well, like I don't I can't even remember if his hair was blonde in the book. Yeah, I just I don't I mean I can understand if you're like changing like a crucial component of the character, like changing the origin. That's a big deal. Changing his hair color, who gives a damn? Yeah. Don't I mean why go to all the trouble and do like a bad dye job? That's just distracting. Well, because Gail has brown hair too, and oh, they're afraid we won't be able to tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because I do sometimes get Taylor Lautner and Robert Pattinson confused <laughs> all the time. I'm really glad that they, you know, take all that, you know, and at least in the Twilight movie, she's always going, "Oh, Edward, oh, Jacob." It's like, oh, okay, this helps me remember now. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to keep them apart. Except when they did that, that werewolf telepathy scene. Yeah. It's like, which one? Is this Edward or Jacob thankfully, talking? Thankfully, Hunger Games did not have any telepathy. <laughs> I think it would have been better with werewolf telepathy. <laughs> Maybe those do the dogs at the end yeah. that attacked them if they had communicated telepathically. Well, when they do the Hunger Games Twilight crossover movie, which you know is coming. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. And again, you know, I, I, I don't want to just talk about, oh, the book is better than the movie or whatever. But... In the book version of The Hunger Games, the dogs that attack at the end are, like, genetically modified freak creatures made from the bodies of the other dead tributes. In the movie, they're giant dogs. Yes. <laughs> That's it. In the book, you're like, what the hell? The capital is so powerful they can they literally own you after death and will make a genetically modified freak of nature yeah. based on you which is creepy and interesting and bizarre and now it's just oh now it's just oh here's some dogs we need to thin the herd a little bit so let's release some giant dogs D did and they think that would be too shocking for a PG-13 film no, I can't see how that'd be too shocking for a PG-13 film. I, I, I think mean, that'd be scary. It's a movie about kids killing each other. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that would cross the line. Well, they they didn't want to lose that feel good vibe they had going. <laughs> that feel good vibe. Uh, well, the other thing that really bothered me with the dogs was, and I might just be nitpicking here, but they knocked the District One kid off of the the supply bunker. He goes onto the ground, and you just hear him screaming because the dogs are like chowing down on him. And then it cuts back to Katniss and Peta looking at him. Cuts back to the dogs. Cuts back to Katniss and Peta. The kid's still screaming. He's still alive after like all this time, and Katniss has to shoot him to put him out of his misery, which would have been fine if he, she had done it like right away. Right. But if they let like 30 seconds pass, and the kid is – these three monster dogs are chowing down on him. It just <laughs> but, makes no sense. Well, they, well they, I, I guess the, they don't have very sharp teeth. I guess not. Their bark is worse than their bite, yeah. literally. Yeah, they're just sort of just gnawing at it, and it's just taking a long time. It's like, oh, oh, God, God, it tickles, it tickles, it tickles. <laughs> they can stop. Sure. They're like slowly eating him with what is the equivalent of just a bunch of dull spoons. Yeah. Scraping away. 
It's the slow and agonizing death. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to say about the Hunger Games? No. Other than, oh, it's a shame Willow Smith got shot. Was that Willow Smith? No. <laughs> but I kind of kind of thought it was. She got shot right in the chest. With a spear. With a spear. She got harpooned. Yes. And it was kind of weird the way they framed it because he throws it at Katniss. And she just kind of like... Matrixes herself out. Yeah, she, like, she, she does the bullet time dodge. And then shoots the kid with the arrow. Yeah, like at the same time. And you've got to be thinking, wait... Did she not realize Rue was standing right there? I think it was probably a reflex. Like, if I were to throw a harpoon at you, you would just move. You wouldn't but think it, about it. But, so I guess they hadn't established this sort of m- maternal mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, but honestly, I think that's just instinct. I think if, like, if you if somebody throws a harpoon at you, your first split-second instinct is to move. Not if you're a mother and they're throwing it near your child. Not if you're with a loved one. You got me there. I feel like if they if 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 Katniss really did have deep feelings for Rue instinctively she would have pushed Rue out of the way or maybe taken the spear for Rue no <laughs> no you know dove right in the, in the path of that spear but nope she doesn't do that probably because they've only been together 10 minutes in the film they don't really have time it's very intense 10 minutes (laughs) they don't have time to develop that dynamic that's that's all i have okay i'm burnt out on the hunger games i don't have anything else i really want to say about the hunger games either except what a terrible movie that betrays everything the book was really about but go see it (laughs) (laughs) don't see it let me put it this way I, I will I will say this. If you've read the book of The Hunger Games and you like the book, if you see the movie of The Hunger Games, you're part of the problem. You're supporting the capital. Don't do it. But please contribute to Film Geek Radio. Yes. <laughs> now that we've called you sellouts. <laughs> All right, before we wrap things up, it's time for our usual weekly segment, Reboot This. Reboot This, This, This. This is the part of the show where Frank and I, we we pitch... Either a sequel, a remake, or a prequel to the film that we've been talking about. So, Frank, why don't you go first? If you could make a sequel, a prequel, or a remake of The Hunger Games, what would you choose and what would it be like? I would remake Hunger Games, but it would be a very loose remake. Okay. It would be straight from the book a little bit, and most of the same stuff would happen, but at the end... Rue wouldn't die. Instead, it's revealed that Rue is actually the mastermind behind the entire Hunger Games. She's the game maker. She's a ringer. She's the game maker. She's a ringer. She's in there to make sure everything goes according to plan. She's Wes Bentley's boss. Yes. And after everybody is dropped, Rue's just standing there, kind of Kaiser Soze-esque. Like, yes, Katniss, it was I behind everything. Okay. So so the, the film progresses as usual. And then the last kid gets eaten by those dogs. Yes. PETA and Katniss stand triumphantly as victors, and then what happens? Then they start to choke. It turns out that Rue has laced both of their water supplies with the juice from those berries. (laughs) 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 And then you just see their perspective lying on the ground, and you just see two very small feet come into the frame, pan up. It's Rue. She's not dead. Gasp! And she gives a diabolical explanation on how she's been sitting there to make sure everything goes according to plan. 
and then they die. And it's a much darker ending. Wow. Yeah. That's... They played the ending that they play the music that they play during the ending of Revenge of the Sith, the very operatic dark music. Mm -hmm. And it's Rue getting like pulled up into the plane after winning the Hunger Games. Okay, so she's getting pulled back up into the shuttle. Yeah. To go be in the capital rich. With Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Her father. Her father. Her adoptive father. Okay. Andrew, remake, sequel, or prequel? I think that I also would do a remake. Really? Of the Hunger Games. Really? Yes. Except in my version, it would be directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, goodness. It would be a hard R. We're talking limbs flying, geysers of blood spurting. Like, you're, you're, you're not... This is not the sanitized version of the Hunger Games. Okay? This is the, oh my god kids are killing each other version of the Hunger Games. Yikes. Yes. And of course, because it's Quentin Tarantino, there's going to be lots of witty banter. Pop cultural references. Some pop culture references. In fact, Katniss is probably going to overtly reference the most dangerous game, Battle Royale, or They Shoot Horses, Don't They, at some point in the film, just because they're similar. And uh, there's going to be several shots of Katniss's feet and her running barefoot because Tarantino has a foot fetish, as we all know. Oh, yeah. So then things are going to – yeah, there's not going to be any sh- of this shaky cam BS, okay? It's all going to be nice, nicely shot, nice and precise. And then at the end of the film – oh, it's also it's going to be three and a half hours. In fact, he might have to split it up into two parts, like he did with Kill Bill. Fascinating. He might have to do Hunger Games Part 1 and Hunger Games Part 2. Hunger. And then release them all in one, Hunger Games, The Whole Bloody Affair. Okay. And it's just going to be really dark, really gritty, lots of witty banter. At the end, the dogs are going to be made from the fallen tributes that have come before. Donald Sutherland's not going to be in it. West Bentley's not gonna. They're not. They're not even gonna show that. Tarantino doesn't care. He'll probably structure it out of sequence, though. Probably will be a non-linear narrative where we flip back and forth throughout time. Oh, of, of course. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. And he probably will divide it up in different chapters, where we follow different characters. Like one chapter will be about Katniss, and then another chapter will be about what's going on with Rue and how she got to the Hunger Games. And then another chapter will be about uh, Peta and his life as a baker before he got into the Hunger Games and his experience with the games. Then, of course, in typical Tarantino fashion, all the stories will come together at the end, and Katniss will win. Katniss nice. and Peta will win. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Can I pitch another remake? Sure. Okay. We oh, we fade in at the very beginning. Okay. On a chair. An empty chair in a plain room. A couple seconds go by. Then in walks James Earl Jones. Okay. He sits in the chair. Sold. Pulls out a copy of The Hunger Games, the book. And reads and it? starts reading it. Oh, my God. This goes on for like five hours. Perfect. He gets to the Done. last sentence in the book, puts the book down the table, gets up, up out of the chair, walks off screen, fade out. I like it fade out very low budget yeah but artsy 
also better than the movie we got. Yes, definitely. We get all the nuance. Yeah. He has a lovely speaking voice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. And because the book is written in first person, you know, when I think of Katniss... I think of James Earl Jones. I think of her voice. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean... I think we may have a winner on our hands. I think I think I think we may have. That's pretty. That's pretty great. It's just one shot of James. The same shot of James Earl Earl Jones for however long it takes him to get through the whole book. Okay. <laughs> it's just one shot. Okay. Here's an, another pitch. How about instead of focusing on Katniss, we focus on Peta, and like an hour of the movie is just him lying in camouflage. Yeah. <laughs> in the rocks. <laughs> the beginning of the movie is just him spying on Katniss through the door of a hotel room <laughs> from, the, from the condo. He's camouflaged. He's yeah. painted. He's yes. It's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be like a, a complimentary tale to the Hunger Games called Peta, Master of Camouflage. <laughs> and then we somehow work in the line. I blew myself last night. Tobias Funke, Master of Camouflage. Yes. And he's going to be, like, in the walls. And and it's, it's going to be like a game. It's going to be like, where's Waldo? Where in every scene, you're going to have to find Peta. Well, no, we're going to go back. What we're going to do is we're going to use original footage from the original Hunger Games movie and go back and show you all the places where Peta was actually in the scene. <laughs> you just didn't know it. <laughs> you just didn't know it. <laughs> you're going to have, like, the very intense, dramatic scene. <laughs> There's Peta in the background. You know that scene where, where uh, her sister came in and they were they hugged each other for the last time. <laughs> Peter was actually there in the back yep. watching. Yep. <laughs> that scene in the woods when she was with Gail, Peter was there. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in love with her the whole time and he's basically just been stalking her. Yeah. Using his camouflage tape. <laughs> his natural camouflage gifts. Yes. But he somehow learned as a baker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh I put I used to put icing on all the cakes. That makes it <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that you know when Katniss uh, climbs the tree to hide, then the first night he was actually in the tree with her, yeah. next to her, watching oh, yeah. her sleep. Yeah, and then later on, when uh, when the explosion happened and they blew up the supplies, yeah, he was actually one of the mines. <laughs> <laughs> He was the mind that didn't blow up. Yeah. <laughs> this time we're just going to sh- let you see the whole shot play. I see one of the minds suddenly get up and start running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, later on, when when he was supposedly back in the cave and uh, Katniss goes to get his medicine, he was the third bag. Yeah. He's just watching as the other girl has a knife to her throat and he's there going, this is so hot. Yeah. <laughs> this is so hot. <laughs> All of these are much more interesting than the movie we got. Can we we see this movie about Peter, Master of Camouflage? That, and I just want the James Earl Jones. I I want both options. Here's what, okay, fine then. We we write our own book. Yeah. And we film James Earl Jones Jones. reading it. And it's from from Peter's perspective. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I think that'll wrap it up for our episode on The Hunger Games. Peta was hot underneath all the camouflage. <laughs> Nobody appreciated how much work this had really taken. <laughs> and then he, at the end, he dies of dehydration. The end. It turns out the makeup is like toxic, <laughs> and he's just <laughs> he was he was using those berries. Skin voice. He's like, oh. Sh-. <laughs> all right, that wraps that up. That'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion on the Hunger Games. Be sure to tune in to our Iron Man's 
bonus episode this week. And also, don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing Mirror Mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Frank Reddy. You're too kind. Uh, we would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate it. Frank, where can people find you online? You can find me at FJReady at Twitter or, quite frankly, television.wordpress.com. I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find some of my writing at thecoolestshopeffect.com or on the Film Geek Radio blog at filmgeekradio.com. Oh, I'm on the Film Geek Radio blog, too. I forgot to mention that. That's right. You did. You wrote some cool uh, South by Southwest interviews. I wrote some stuff. Yeah. They were pretty good. Some stuff. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener so I can follow you back and we can keep talking about The Hunger Games. All right, I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Reddy. Have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.